Welcome, everybody, to Mysterious John Podcast. I am Andy Elliman. And I am AJ Hunt. We are Purgatory's Finest. On this week's episode, we'll be talking about silence. Our guests are Pete Burak and Kalista. And we want to welcome you both. As you know, Pete is over at Renewal Ministries, ID916. Uh, he's also on the Shalom Network now, which we'll get to a little bit in the show and let you talk about that. And Felisa is, a, I believe, a student at MSU, correct? Just graduated. Just graduated. That's right. Okay. I can't yeah. remember if it's one more semester or not. And she's worked in intercessory prayer um, and a lot of other things that we'll get into that intercessory prayer has a lot to do with silence, actually. Indeed. So with that, I'm going to turn it over to AJ and we'll get into it. All right. So when we talk about silence, uh, one of the first things I wanted to differentiate, and, and you guys can all help me out here, is that there's there's a difference between what we mean when we say like a spiritual silence and simply being quiet. Like those two aren't necessarily the same thing. Um, I, I got kind of this feeling that silence is more of an invitation. It's almost like quieting the self words that you have inside yourself so that the word can be present with you. Because if we keep speaking, how can we hear Jesus speaking with us or to us or in us or through us? And I just did that right off the top of my head. I was really proud of myself. But that's my pride getting to me right there. Mm -hmm. All right. And we see many examples of silence, not necessarily just quiet, but silence in the Bible. The two most obvious ones that I can think of are Jesus's parents. So mm. Joseph, renowned for not saying a whole lot, but his actions speak for him. Does he have a single line in the Bible? Nothing like quotable. Like, I think so. Like it, it mentions that he speaks, but it doesn't mention that he like doesn't say, and Joseph said. Silent, but spiritually deadly. I mean, the man. Yeah, yeah. pretty good. Pretty good. Maybe he just wasn't recorded. Maybe <laughs> that's true. Maybe that's right. But uh, what was recorded was probably the most important things that he did do. And he was a man of actions. Mm -hmm. When he got that inspiration from God, he let that fill his heart and he acted upon it. And then, of course, we hear this line a couple different times. And Mary contemplated this in the mm -hmm. silence of her heart. And I've always you know, wondered when I was younger, like, what does that mean mm -hmm. to contemplate something in the silence of your heart? Because mine wasn't very silent. I had a very noisy childhood. And so we can talk a little bit about that. Um, Pete, would you like to take off on that one? Sure. Yeah, it's one of those cases, right, where um, they're not the same thing, but they're related. So mm -hmm. there's no question there's a silence that we're called to that does include physical quiet that uh, some of the best ways to become still and small before the Lord is to eliminate physical noise, whether that be closing your mouth, uh, closing the mouths of those around you by getting away from them, or uh, even just not having the distractions of the world. You know, I think it was, it's either Lewis or Chesterton in their description of hell was talking about just the noise of hell that one of the things that hell is marked by is this incessant um, kind of totally disruptive noise. What's that? 
I believe they use the word like cacophony. Yeah, so exactly a cacophony of it's just because everyone's talking over each other kind of thing. Like there's just there's no stillness. There's no and I think silence, the the silence that you were describing there, that's less of the physical kind, is more of um you could almost use the word stillness or mm-hmm. being um contemplation is actually a really good word for it. But another way uh I think it bears out is the the pre the the practice of abiding with God. Um mm-hmm where the communication is not verbal per se, but more of a being, which is super like deep. And like, what does that actually mean, Pete? But we can kind of get into what that actually looks like. But ultimately it's a kind of finding yourself in the eternal um, stillness. There's the, even though God, like Jesus is the the word incarnate and there's a, a way that kind of God speaks into existence, everything, the way he speaks is just different than the way we speak. And so mm-hmm. there's a way that we actually kind of, as we enter into the depths of God, there's a certain unknowing that happens. There's a certain cloud of unknowing, even that uh, some of the spiritual writers talk about where you're, you kind of lose yourself in God, which again is hard to describe exactly, but uh, one we can unpack. But so I think it's important that as throughout this episode, that when we talk about silence, we are talking at some times physically, but the, what, what, the reason you would even physically be quiet is to get to the point of this abiding, this being with God for the sake of being with God, being in his presence and letting his presence be sufficient for, for that moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was uh, talking with Father Jake Folio once back, mm-hmm. back when I was in college when he was still with us. God rest his soul. And uh, he told me, and I actually heard something very similar from Father Joe too back in the day, but he told me, he's like, AJ, just go into the church. I just sit there in front of Jesus for five minutes, just being a human being, not mm-hmm. human doing, human being. And I had no idea what he was talking about. So I, I tried it. Uh, it took a while mm-hmm. to even get to like 30 seconds of just being present with God. And I think that's kind of what uh, we've been talking about here is that abiding or being present. Um, Cardinal Sarah says, God's abode is the temple of silence. Well, something along those lines. But we have uh, many. I- yep. I don't know if I could chime in. I don't want you to go to the second question. Before. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I think for me, I think one in the beginning of like the spiritual life, one leads to the other. Mm-hmm. I think the silence of the tongue and generally the silence of the senses leads to the silence of the soul. Mm-hmm. Meaning, like, for example, when St. Teresa of Avila is describing, like, levels of prayer, the first level of prayer, our soul is naturally in conversation with the world. So even when we are quiet, we are thinking about things of the world. But then for us to move to the level where we can hear God and we are in intimacy with God, sometimes it needs that period of purgation, mm-hmm. which is necessary for us to be silent, maybe in our tongue. And I want to, like expand this to the senses so maybe our eyes also social media to shut down our interaction both internal and external with the world so that we can hear god but then the objective is to move to the level of prayer 
where we don't need to be silent physically to hear God because as Pete says, he takes over our being. And then we we move to the level of contemplative life, like where St. Paul says, singing hymns to God in your heart. Or where Jesus says, for example, God was speaking to Joshua. I think it is um, Joshua 1.8, where he says, meditate on this word day and night. Like, and then where St. Paul says, pray without ceasing. So all these things look like you should be praying without ceasing, but obviously God doesn't mean that sit in the chapel and pray all day because you need to work. I think... He's describing the level of silence that comes from union with God, mm. where you have you are like you have God, higher God presence, like awareness of God presence than the presence of the world. So that's just what I wanted to comment. That I think the silence of the physical senses is essential for you to get to for your soul to be silent. Yeah, yeah I was going to go off. Uh, Mother Teresa has some great quotes. I'm going to paraphrase the first one poorly because it's something Sarah said last episode. I couldn't find the exact quote, but she talks about silent, the five silences, silence of the hand, uh, the eyes, the ears, the tongue, and the heart, and just shutting all that down. And for us, like you said with the social media, the silence of the hands, putting the phone down. And one of the great quotes she had with that was, in the silence of the heart, God speaks. If you face God in prayer and silence, God will speak to you. Then you will know what then you will know that you are nothing. It is only when you realize your nothingness, your emptiness, that God can fill it with himself. Souls of prayer are souls of great silence. And then she talks about silence of the eyes by seeking the beauty, silence of the ears by listening always to the voice of God. I'm paraphrasing the short version of these. Silence of the tongue by praising God and speaking life-giving word. And silence of the mind by opening to the truth and knowledge in God's prayer and contemplation, as you said. Um, and so you, you can see that there really is an emptying of yourself, a sacrifice really about that comes with silence. Yeah. Um, and that kind of gets into what Cardinal Sarah talks about when he says that humility is like the opportunity for this. It's the, uh, a form of silence of, as emptying of mm -hmm. oneself. Any humble adoration or moment of adoration opens up, opens our hearts up to this attitude of abandonment to trust in God and his grace and mercy. And so when we, you know, are present in the consecration at mass, that is an opportunity for this silent humility. We're present at adoration for the blessed sacrament. That's a moment or an opportunity for that type of silence, allowing God to fill us up instead of us filling us up. Um, and like Felista said, um, I, I'm thinking of the purgation of uh, John 15, right? Mm -hmm. So where he talks about the the, the father pruning, the abiding and bearing fruit, there's this whole image of this vine, right? And that when we abide, we are then capable of bearing fruit. And in order to bear more fruit, he he prunes, he cuts off dead branches and those go in the fire. Pruning is not the dead. You're actually pruning the living. You're pruning the thing that is alive so that it can be more alive and bear more fruit. But another way of thinking of, the, so the purgation that's necessary that comes from solitude and silence, this time in a desert of so, sorts, where um, our, even our inclinations, our affections, our attachments to the world can be stripped and properly oriented under the, the ultimate good. And what is the ultimate good? The ultimate good is contemplation, is this recollection, is this, this as constant as possible on this side of the veil, being in God, right? Mm -hmm. And what you see in the great saints is they, they actually reach this spiritual union 
where they're moving throughout their entire day, like even as they go and do and bear tremendous fruit for the kingdom, they're actually internally in the desert with God. Like they actually never leave. They, they're, they're hermits of sorts. They're abiding with the father in such constant recollection. And then anytime they kind of drift out of that, they pause, they bring silence to their heart again, and they find themselves in the father's gaze. And that is just such a critical part of the, the development of the spiritual life is to practice the habit of every time we find ourselves kind of outside the gaze of the father, where we've lost our peace, we've lost our joy, we, we've lost some of that thing, we're even or drifting down the pathway towards sin. It's, it's a, the flick of a moment to be able to just pause, even in the in the midst of a crowd, mm-hmm. the midst of a concert, the midst of whatever, the midst of a podcast, to pause, recollect, find yourself in the gaze of God again and, and abide in that so as to then to go out and bear fruit. And that that's all a process. That's all something that is a combination of uh, a developed habit to do that all, but a, like any good habit, it's still informed by grace. Yeah. I'm when you're speaking that really, I love my pop culture references, but it reminded me of the movie Samurai with Tom Cruise. Mm. He's a U.S. soldier. He gets brought over to basically as a contractor to help advise. He gets captured in the, samurai clan they're fighting takes him in yeah and they're trying to teach him sword fighting and he goes up against the guy who's kind of his protagonist because he doesn't respect him um and he keeps fighting the guy tells him too many minds the guy advising him he's like what do you mean he's like you have a mind on sword you have a mind on opponent you have a mind of home you have a mind here he says one mind and tom cruise of course is just getting the crap kicked out of him trying to figure this out and so finally he takes a breath like you were talking about and he, he stops in the moment and he breathes and he focuses and he gets back into the focus or gaze. And then he's able to compete with the guy who is, of course, decades ahead of him in sword fighting. But it goes back to that concept of he takes a moment because he's got so many distractions going on. He's outside the gaze of what his focus should be in that movie. But for us, obviously, it'd be God. And he silences everything. Mm-hmm. And in that silence, he's then able to refocus himself. And I think that's really key in our days because how many times do we get told, okay, take a breath. The infamous phrase, take a breath. Mm-hmm. Focus. For a lot of us, we just don't realize there's a spiritual aspect to that. So you can take a breath, you can focus, get back into the Father's gaze, and then continue forward on mission. Yeah. And the I church mean, actually, yep. So if I could just comment on something Andrew said about emptiness, and then Pete commented about John 15, mm-hmm. and like the contemplative life. For me, I think if I could define silence, is a combination of those two, especially in John 15, when Christ said that, abide in me he also says apart from me you can do nothing mm-hmm. and later on he says that when you uh, abide in me the father and i will come and make a home with you and then only after that can you bear fruit so i, th- I think they're very tied together that jesus is telling us that in silence we are emptied so that he can come in essentially to become another christ because only he can be fruitful in us mm-hmm. so i think that is um Sorry, I think that is the power of silence, is that we become, as Saint Mother Teresa said, we become empty, so that mm-hmm. He can increase in us because we on our own can do nothing. It's like the the process of becoming another Christ happens mm-hmm. in silence. So that's mm-hmm. all I, I wanted to comment. Yeah, that's so good. And I think something Andy you just said uh, uh, that's worth kind of hammering home to is um, when we become aware that we've lost our silence, whatever, you know, mm-hmm. however you want to describe that uh, 
it's not so much that we need to find the father's gaze. We need to remember and, and recognize that we are always in his gaze. We Mm -hmm. are always, he is always attentive to us. We just tend to not be attentive to him. Right. So the, and this is where, if you think about abiding and becoming or uh, abiding and bearing fruit as almost like a pendulum, we, 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 we start in, we start in becoming so as to then do not the other way around. Our, our doing doesn't create our identity. Our, our identity is, is in, in him. And like uh, we, we were just talking about, it's literally so that we can become Jesus mm-hmm. and, and Jesus models this for us in the, his time in the desert in his time with the father before every major movement of his, earthly ministry, it, there's time spent alone with the father. Mm-hmm. Uh, even the, the, even the identity of Jesus, you know, is, is um, indistinguishable from his, his time spent with the father. And so for us to be able to abide so as to, to do, to, uh, to be so as to become even mm-hmm. uh, is, is such vitally important. And gosh, not to derail this, but like, were any of us ever taught that like growing up? I mean, this is, this mm-hmm. is, it's, it's remarkable how, at least in kind of the Western church, at least mm-hmm. in like American catechism, this is just a pretty much a foreign concept. Most, most, mm-hmm. most kids growing up don't even have a, a sense of how important stillness, silence, solitude, turning off the devices, all of that really is. And, and, and it's, you could argue, one of the most vitally important thing to a, a mature spiritual life. Mm-hmm. I don't say, I think for us, and I could be wrong, and but for someone to go up 80s, 90s, and even early 2000s a little bit, I know I'm old. Um, <laughs> it was more checklist. Like, make sure you follow these steps. Right. Make sure you don't do these things. And if you go through the motions and check these things off. Cookbook Catholic. Exactly. You're then a proper Catholic. But what wasn't built in was, and this is one of the things I actually really appreciate about you guys do with Zion. And um, what's the girls, high school girls group? Be Love Revolution. Be Loved is you guys focus on the personal relationship with Jesus and how to become a personal disciple mm-hmm. of Christ and then how to live that out in your faith. Because yeah. as everyone's been saying this, and is that emptiness to let Christ in, yeah. to become the other Christ, as you put it, then we follow his leading, then we follow his teachings, then we learn from his example by, by being with him and know who he is. And so, yeah, I agree. I think we need to go from the cookbook Catholic, which I have breaking bad going through my head right now um, and actually becoming disciples. Yeah. Yeah. I also, I also really like the question that um, like Pete has asked and like what you've said, Andrew, about whether we are talking about silence and how important it is, especially for young people. And I think um, as Andrew has said, it's impossible for us to check the boxes without the source. Like when you tell young people to live a holy life without talking mm-hmm. about silence, and I think silence automatically ties to, um, I won't say like mortification, but maybe sacrifice and fasting and self-giving. Without that, it's impossible for us to do good because it's not by our might or power, but by the spirit of God that we are holy. Mm-hmm. And as Pete says, we start by being than doing. So I think that it's very important for us to understand, as I think Andrew Kebbard, Mother Teresa said, that we are nothing. And that is the foundation to understand that we are nothing and is everything. And without silence and without intimacy, holiness is not possible. Being a Pharisee is possible, but not yeah. being holy. That's right. 
Yeah, they didn't so well for them in the Bible, did they? No, no. Well, only the ones that decided yeah. that Jesus was an okay dude, you know, like Nicodemus. And, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, another pop culture reference that you you made me think of is in Stephen King's Dark Tower series. Mm-hmm. So you have the gunslinger, mm-hmm. and he becomes kind of like the the Yoda figure throughout the series to several other characters, training them and being strong individuals from like various sort of different, very sinful pasts. Um, and one thing he says kind of like repeatedly to them, every time they mess up, you have forgotten the face of your father. And even he like admittedly doesn't fully recognize mm-hmm. the depth of what that means. He just knows it's important. Mm-hmm. It's like, remember the face of your father. And I just kind of thought about that and realized that's actually pretty spiritual Mm-hmm. thought is to remember the face of your father every time you find yourself somehow missing or failing or not living up to uh something that you were hoping to do is take that moment and recenter yourself on what's most important and for the, the catholic individual uh, the most important thing would be to remember jesus's sacrifice and god's god's mercy uh, especially most present to us in the eucharist mm-hmm. and in adoration yeah I think it was uh, John Paul II said that um, on the cross, Jesus reveals three faces, the face of God, the face of man, and the face of sin. Mm. Um, And what's interesting about what you just said there, AJ, is like, if you want to know the face of the Father, nobody comes to the Father except by me, right? Mm -hmm. Jesus is the one who reveals the Father. And in the kind of the, the most perfect expression of revelation of the father is an isolated alone, relatively silent guy on a cross. Mm-hmm. Like in that moment, in those moments on the cross, Jesus is revealing the father. And then as Catholics, we get to commemorate, celebrate and receive that whole experience every time we go to mass. And so you can see in the Eucharist again, as the, the body and blood, as the uh, host becomes the body and blood, soul and divinity of Jesus Christ, the father's face is once again revealed. And mm-hmm. so you can see how vitally important the sacramental life comes to this. And there is something so n- necessary, even in the sacraments of a certain stillness, a certain silence, um, certain reverence that is, participating in this divine revelation of himself um so like for, for us if you're wondering like how do i how do i find the how do i remember the face of the father look at a cross and go to mm-hmm. mass uh and most of the time when you go to mass you're going to see a cross a crucifix mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's a perfect place to to remember the face of the father through the person in the the face of his son absolutely if i could just add on that i think um mm-hmm. is it Pope Emeritus Benedict XVI said something very profound that our life as Catholics and Christians should be living to centered on the Eucharist. So living towards the Eucharist, receiving the Eucharist, and then thanking God for the gift of the Eucharist. So I like what you said about the Eucharist. What I could just like want to add, especially if there's like any young people who are young in spirit and they don't have any Eucharistic experience even when they go to Mass, is precisely the power of silence, not only during Mass, but before Mass. Mm-hmm. The fact that your personal prayer life and your knowledge of scripture directly impacts your sacramental life as well. Like they feed into each other. So I would just like for me to encourage to say that the truth is the people who have a high Eucharistic experience are people who wait for Jesus 
in their heart. Like the yeah. virgins, you know, the five foolish virgins and the five um, clever virgins. Mm-hmm. All of us know that there is a wedding feast and we'll be invited, but there are some of us who are overprepared. <laughs> like, not by, like, just to take the, to cooperate with grace, to say your morning prayer. For me, I found that maybe reading the readings before Mass really makes a mm-hmm. difference. So I just mm-hmm. wanted to emphasize that, like, that phrase that said, Pope Benedict XVI said, to prepare for the Eucharist, then to receive the Eucharist, and then to live in thanksgiving of the Eucharist, which I would compare to maybe Eucharistic adoration, just sitting with him and appreciating the fact that God actually is physically present and I can go and visit him in this world. So for me, I would say personal prayer really makes a difference in your holy mass. Yeah, absolutely. Uh Yeah. And I, I love how the church offers us uh, periods of time throughout the year with which we can practice some of this uh, silence or withdrawal or um, abstention. So we have the two most commonly known ones, so Advent, in which we are supposed to be calmly awaiting the arrival of the Word, Emmanuel, God made flesh. Um, all too often we begin celebrating this a little early, I think, uh, and then, of course, we have the Lenten season mm-hmm. where we're mimicking uh, Jesus's 40 days in the desert, which is a time of quiet and prayer and uh, abstaining, all of which I think kind of tie together in helping us to turn down the dial, so to speak, mm-hmm. on all of these hypothalamic desires. So you're thirsty, you're hungry, mm-hmm. you're tired, you're go get some music, go get some caffeine, go get some alcohol, you know, all of these indulgences or desires that have to fill our, our senses with stimulation. Well, we have these periods where built into the year by the church in which we can dial this down and, and be more present um, as a practice. And I would encourage anyone who, uh, took uh, St. Michael as our confirmation saint like I. There's a, a third one, the Lent of St. Michael, you can do in the fall, which is another beautiful opportunity to be once again quiet and awaiting the grand feast of the archangels, which is a nice time too. I was going to say, going off the Advent, the reason I started laughing is, and I'm not saying advertising is evil, but it occurs to me that, you know, Advent is supposed to be time we're supposed to be getting ready but what does Advent turn into? As many Christmas ads and holiday ads as humanly possible to get us out shopping and do things. And, you know, and, and there's some, you know, going out ice skating with friends and stuff and that's fine. But how much noise starts coming in at the time when the church is saying, okay, let's be silent. The outside world's saying, let's crank it up to 11. How much let's greatness, how much yes. noise, how much color. Yeah. Now, uh, this is a shameless plug. He didn't know I was going to do this, but, you know, <laughs> um, I found this course was really helpful. Within 9916, Pete, you have courses that people can take and apply for that help with being living intentionally. And one of the things that you all teach that is silence. And so I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about those, like as much as you want to give, cause I realized, you know, you don't want to give the whole thing away, but um, about how to maybe use these times, major times as time to either recalibrate, enter in, but then how to live it out more intentionally day to day for people who really want to dive into it, or at least get a little more into it every day. Yeah, thanks. So one of the things we we developed was something called the Spirit-Filled Leader Intensive Course. Um, it's to help somebody who's trying to live as a disciple kind of step into a new um, 
anointing of leadership and understanding of the gifts and the, the things that the Lord has commissioned them to do. Uh, it's 30 days. It's about 30 minutes every day. And part of the, there's content. So there's, I guess there's a holy noise that we make that we encourage people to listen to, to help them grow. But then every day there's an activation that applies to whatever they just learned. So an immediate practice of whatever they just learned. But the main thing really is these three habits that we try to instill in everyone over the course of the 30 days, which is daily prayer, daily scripture reading, and a daily examination of conscience, which is not like super profound. I mean, that's a pretty standard part of the the Christian heritage of growing in holiness, but it's remarkable how many people um, don't really take a daily prayer time, you know, mm-hmm. and, and uh, the only time they read scriptures when they lay down at, at, to bed at night because their Bible's next to them on the bedside and they think there's going to be like scripture by osmosis. As long as the Bible's next to them, they're going to hear it. It's like, no, you have to actually open the Bible to mm-hmm. read the word of God, you know, um, or an examination of conscience. Where have I participated with uh, the, the spirit moving with me each day and where have I been a hindrance to it or blocked it or said no to what the spirit's doing in me. And so what we found over the course of, of committing themselves to uh, 30 days of, of growth in this way, um, really new habits can form uh, that are critical. And one of the teachings and several of the teachings touch on it are just this idea of solitude and silence. How, how are we um, intentionally putting ourselves in positions of being alone with God being still with him, you know, um, Henry Nouwen called solitude, the furnace of transformation that, uh, really like kind of the only way to union with God is, is being alone with him for serious amounts of time every day. And so a lot of times we encourage people just like my, the, the trick I teach people. So I've got kind of wild ADD at times. I have a very hard time focusing. I, I, you know, St. Therese is my gal for falling asleep in prayer all the time. Like that is me a hundred percent. And so one of the things I do is I just, every day, most days I, I'm saying, all right, I'm going to do 10 minutes, 15 minutes of silence. I set the alarm on my phone. I throw the phone on the other side of the room and then I sit there and I calm my heart. And let's just say it's 10 minutes. It usually takes me about three minutes to calm myself down. It takes me about three minutes thinking about, am I silent? You know, I, th- I think I might be quiet. I think I might be silent. Is this stillness? You know, then it's usually about a minute and a half of like genuine silence. And then I'm just like, is this ever going to end? You know, <laughs> but it's amazing how the discipline of, of sticking to it until the alarm goes off. Um, at least what I found is like an athlete, the last rep in a, in a weight mm-hmm. set, you know, the last bench press, that last rep is the most important one. It's amazing how often the, the last minute of that stillness and silence is when the Lord really does tremendous work in me. Or I'll notice that later in the day, something that happened in prayer I didn't that I didn't even realize I'm drawing upon a strength I'm drawing upon a union I'm drawing upon a grace that I had no idea at the moment the Lord was kind of depositing in me but there's something in there that I can then draw on later and so um, yeah and and taking it from a guy who was never taught silence and solitude mm-hmm. who from kind of constitutionally does not like it as an extreme extrovert, as a communicator, as all that, like, there's nothing mm-hmm. about who I am that likes this whole concept. And yet I can say it's the, been the most significant thing that the Lord has done in me over the last really two years. And the thing that I would say outside of helping people meet Jesus, fall in love with him, being filled with the power of the Holy spirit to get people into this rhythm of solitude and silence is to me really foundational. It's, do it in, in the first couple innings of their walk with the Lord. I mean, this is, this really needs to be a, a, a significant, it's part of the starting point. It's not, Oh, I hope I can get there. If this mm-hmm. is conversion happens. Well, 
you know, Jesus is baptized. Where does the spirit lead him straight out into the desert? I mean, there's something about that kind of immediate solitude and silence and beginning to practice that, that I just is, uh, is foundational. I was going to say, you, uh, you remind me of kind of the couch to 5k method I use for science, which is, and even AJ start at five minutes, then build it to 10, then build it to 15. And it's okay to start over in the middle of it. But uh, Felisa mentioned something with uh, reading the scriptures before mass that I want to tie into what you were saying, which is that athlete of like, Hey, like the last rep counts. And I think it was Emmett Smith. I could be wrong. On this one, one of my favorite quotes is all men are created equal. Some work harder in preseason. <laughs> and what you were saying with that of, you know, just starting 10 minutes and just doing it. But also what Felicia was talking about, which was reading scriptures before you go to mass or doing something to get ready for mass. And it reminded me very much of Psalm 62, five, which is for God alone. Oh, my soul wait in silence for my hope is in him. And it's in that silence that we find the hope for him and really where we find the salvation that we've been talking about. And like I said, if you're struggling with it, um, you know, the spirit filled leader course is good, but like AJ and everyone else here says, just start it, just do it a little bit do the readings before mass. I would actually start with something I keep meaning to do is see more Catholics bringing their Bible to mass and reading along with the readings. Mm. Cause that's a great way. If, if you're going to be noisy and I like the crazy use speed of holy no- noisiness, holy noise, <laughs> you know, why not have that holy noise with you? Why not have the scripture in your hand? So if something has to be kind of not silent, let it be your hand with the scripture. Yeah. But um, I want to switch over to Felicia for a sec. Cause you do intercessory prayer a lot or you, you have in the past. I'm not sure if you still are. How have you seen science play into that for you and, and the effects it's, it's had? Um, I can say, okay, first of all, if I can comment on yeah. like what something mm-hmm. Pete has said. Absolutely. I think it's very important for us to understand that um, the greatest transformation in our souls starts with silence. And then not souls don't usually feel like being silent in the beginning. So this is just an encouragement for anybody who is struggling with sin, especially like mortal sin, or who is struggling with anxiety. And you just think that this prayer thing is not for you. It is by grace. So I just want to like emphasize that thing of you start with discipline and then the Lord will give the grace. Like don't wait for yourself to feel Mm -hmm. like it for you to be silent. Like there's a lot of merit in actually like putting a timetable and doing small things every day for the sake of silence. Um, I would say to your question, like how does silence help in intercessory prayer? Um, Very quickly in ministry, like whatever ministry you're doing, you realize that the Lord is putting you in a place to help him get into souls and to help souls get to him. The first thing you realize is that one, you don't know what souls need and it is only God who knows what souls need. And second, you yourself are a sinner. You know, the way the scripture says in Hebrews that he calls high priests from among men so that they can compassionate. And the mm-hmm. way St. Paul says that he uses clay vessels. So it's a moment of humility for you to realize that God is putting you there as an instrument, but you do not have what the people need. He has what the people need. So if you want to help people, you have to go to the source and get the water and your work is only to be a transmitter. So I say for me, intercession gives you that, um, the reality of the complexity of people's issues and problems and the fact that you are nothing and God is everything. So just that reality hits you very fast. The second reality that hits you is that there is power in weakness, that because I am 
that the first realization is that problems, people and souls are complex and you're nothing, then there has to be a solution. The solution is actually God is all powerful and almighty. So my only responsibility is like when I'm interceding, it's not because of my holiness mm-hmm. that anybody gets their answer, it's because of who God is. So I think silence as an intercessor helps you to realize the reality of life, that it's it's a currency of mercy and faith, mm-hmm. not merit. And I think that's something that you realize um, in silence that uh, another thing is like your own weakness, but then the fact that God calls weak people. Mm-hmm. God calls weak people because it's not you who is helping anyone. And this is something that I encourage so many people who, young people who are struggling in sin. It doesn't mean that you're not called to ministry or to evangelization. If you stay in silence, you realize that it is not you who does the good. So if it is not you, it means that even if you are the worst sinner in this world, if you just submit yourself like in silence and accept that you are nothing and God is everything, he can transform you to be anything, to be a St. Paul, to be a St. Peter. Because the greatest saints that walked this earth were people who knew their nothingness. So I think that is what I have learned in silence is that every soul has such big capacity to be something so different that we imagine, if only they can be emptied. Mm. They can be anything that God wants. And I think that was the power of like Paul's conversion, mm-hmm. that in that moment that drew him to silence. And yeah, so I think that's for me, like as an intercessor to realize my weakness and also to witness the miracle of grace that you can be, you're nothing, but God can make you anything. And so just, that just gives you passion for evangelization mm-hmm. because every sinner has a future beyond our imagination. Yeah, so we just, you see the heart of people, you see yourself as nothing, but you also see the power and the heart of God to do anything for any soul. That's, I think, what I have seen in silence. Yeah, and Henry Nouwen, in that book that I referenced already, in The Way mm-hmm. of the Heart, talks about the only way to compassion, so genuine love for other people, is solitude and silence, because of the very point Felista just make, made was, as you lose yourself in God, you realize your own nothingness, mm-hmm. you realize your own brokenness, your own need for a savior. Therefore, how could you possibly judge? And how could you possibly look at anyone else as undeserving of God's love? Mm-hmm. It's like when I become so aware of my own gunk within me, my own need for a savior. Now, everyone I meet, I'm like, oh, yeah, you're a sinner, too. join the club like isn't this great that we have a savior who loves you just as much as he loves me and whatever your past is i mean saint paul calls himself the greatest of sinners you're like "Mm, really man like i i i know some pretty bad dudes but what paul and and what you see in some of the great spiritual writers is like they genuinely know the depths of their depravity I mean, they are like aware of how far they are from God. And actually the holier they get, the more they become aware of every little inclination away from God, every little no to him, the, the injustice of it just mortifies them. I mean, they're just like, I, I can't even believe it. So, so St. Paul's not trying to like virtue signal when he's like, I'm the greatest of sinners. He's, he's like genuinely aware of mm-hmm. how far he is from God without Jesus. And so, and that, that comes from, prayer and, and contemplation in the, 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 everything we've been talking about in that silence and solitude. Yeah, absolutely. And I think also one more thing I'd like to mention that mm-hmm. prayer is the heart of evangelization. 
Because there's mm -hmm. a priest who once said, if you start doing, if you do ministry without prayer, you will start preaching yourself rather than mm -hmm. preaching Christ. And I say prayer is the heart of evangelization because of like what Pete said is God, when you come into silence and prayer, God breaks you to realize that you're nothing. And he also makes you realize that he can change you. And so like evangelization is supposed to be a witness of what you have experienced. So the more you experience God in prayer, the more value you'd be able to bring to people, even like in evangelization. Especially yeah. if you meet someone who looks like they are so far gone, mm -hmm. you know that it's not you or them who brings them conversion. So you can believe with them that actually you can be a saint. You are called to be a saint. It's not a 50-50 game. The Lord died for you as you are because you have experienced that love. So I think it's the source of, of evangelization. And I think why we are also like the more prayerful the church becomes, also the more effective we will be in bringing souls to Christ. I feel like the other like effect I would say of intercession and like prayer is bringing the, the ministries of people to life. I feel like there you can be a good Catholic, mm -hmm. like living an ordinary Catholic life, you go to mass, but maybe there's a mission that you are called to that you will only find in prayer. So that is also one effect, I would say, that we might be losing, especially among young people. They can do so much if yeah. we pray more. So like not to be satisfied with it. You know, the way Christ was saying there's the 30-fold, 60-fold, 100-fold. Mm -hmm. There are so many people who are operating in 10, 25, 30, mm -hmm. and we can do so much more. And maybe mm -hmm. that's me. Like, And also the fact that different souls are called to different levels of prayer. So mm -hmm. the fact that maybe your friends are not praying so much and you're the one who's praying a rosary a day, don't think you're a saint. You know, you said Padre Pio had become like an ordinary priest. That was not his call. Like every soul, like there is, you will never reach the depth of God. Mm -hmm. So there's no, there's nothing like too much. Like, okay, there's balance, but there's something St. Teresa of Avila says when she's talking about the spiritual life, she says that we should thirst for more. We should thirst for more. We will never exhaust God. That is why in heaven, we will be in eternity contemplating him. So it's just that invitation that so many young people are called to union with God and to depths with God. And St. Teresa of Avila says, why we don't reach it is because we don't try. Yep. So that is just a passion that I have for people to discover the beauty of who they are in the spiritual life. Like one more thing that I could say, I actually prepared, I made notes for this talk. For this <laughs> awesome. One of the things that I wanted to, like I thought that I felt in prayer is when we, the one, like the effects of silence is knowledge of God, but I would describe this knowledge like in three dimensions. There's the knowledge of who God is, that there's the knowledge of me as a child of God, how I relate to God. And there's a third level, which is purpose, which I don't think many of us reach. So many of us, I think, get stuck in identity. Identity is where like God banishes the lie of fear of like intimidation and things like that. So you believe you're good enough, you know, you can stop committing sin. But then there's a level of purpose of how you connect to God and other people. Like what is your ministry? What is the impact that you should bring to this earth? And that is the level that the saints were operating in of salvation of multitudes of souls. And souls can only get to the level of purpose with a higher level of silence and prayer. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
I like that. Well, especially with our generation, what's everyone? What's my identity and what's my purpose? Those are the yeah. two biggest things under attack right now, and the two biggest things I would say, especially the younger generation, are searching for. Absolutely. There's a lot of kids in college who mm-hmm. are just wondering, what's my place in this world? Mm-hmm. What do I do? Does anything have meaning? You hear all these questions being flung around under different names or under different types of uh, speech. Um, and even when I was uh, in, in medical school, I kind of had these thoughts too. I had a really great mentor though. And I, I always remember one thing he told me is he said, AJ, anytime you're about to enter patient's room when you're about to have that intimate discussion with them about a problem they have they're coming to you to help them remember you can do nothing if you are not prepared Mm -hmm. i says so what's that mean he says before i enter a patient's room i always stand there for a few seconds before i knock and i empty myself of my own worries my own concerns my own thoughts so that when I walk in, I can hear them. Mm-hmm. And I think that's one way we uh, can approach God as well. Is like uh, like uh, Felista was saying, you need to prepare when you go to Mass. You need mm-hmm. to prepare when you come before God. You need to take that moment, take however much time it is necessary to empty yourself in preparation for what you're about to experience. Preparation for eucharist or in preparation for your reconciliation with god or in preparation for your marriage or whatever it is that you're about to do in god's service whether you're a doctor who's serving people whether you're working at a food uh kitchen whether you're you know working in a, a grocery store mm-hmm. whether you're a parent about to go yeah do something with their kids yeah um one thing i do want to add on just real quick and i'll turn over to the three of you too is when we talk about emptying this I just want to clarify, it's so God can build you up. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he talks about building up the kingdom and that refers to us as well. You know, we are part of the body of Christ. And so when we empty ourselves so that he can enter, he does that to build us up. And like Felicia was saying, it can, that's when he starts giving us a purpose. That's part of building us up. That's when he starts helping us with our identity so we can go out and do those things and we can go live the life that he imagined for us when he created us. Cause we were, we all come in with a purpose, mm-hmm. no matter what your point of conception was, God had a purpose for you. And so that science allows him to strip away what he needs to strip away and to build us up into our identity. And so we can live as intentional disciples like Pete and Identity 16 preaches and renewal as well. And so that's just a major part of the science is there's also that going back to your pendulum example from earlier, that there's that swing to being built up and being able to go on mission. Yeah. And there's, you know, so many things that you can do small practices probably throughout the day to kind of practice that mm-hmm. um, not being so frivolous with your speech or when you feel the desire to wait, wait. Or complain you, you can't be frivolous with speech <laughs> well it's a practice of silence right oh, I got nothing now uh, or Andy extrovert curse <laughs> I created a podcast of course <laughs> where are we going next with this um, I was going to do a little bit next with, uh, you know, from my uh, anatomical or biological perspective, just these moments in our development have a natural silence. Because you're a doctor. Because I'm a doctor. That's right. Uh, But I just wanted to kind of review these moments. So 
the first one, and it's one that we prepare for in the church during Advent, mm-hmm. is, is it's almost like that gestation moment, right? So at the beginning of all of our lives, we spend nine months in a womb of silence, right? And even God has this with us in Advent, this time of preparation for the birth of Christ. And I, I always like to think every time I go into the hospital and see a new baby, it's like, this could be a great saint. Mm-hmm. I'm preparing for the birth of some some great tool of God or great saint of God in the future. And so gestation is a moment of silence. Um, each of us every night, hopefully, goes to sleep for a period of time. And in sleep, we have silence. Mm-hmm. Maybe you have dreams, but at least you are being silent. Mm-hmm. <laughs> as the person that you are in consciousness. Um, a lot of the time when we sate our desires, say we eat a good meal, mm-hmm. there is a moment afterward of satisfaction if you've eaten properly. Mm-hmm. And in that moment of satisfaction, that's a type of silence. So no longer do you have that voice telling you, oh, I'm thirsty, oh, I'm hungry. You actually have a, a satiation or a dimming down of that kind of cacophony of voices within you Mm -hmm. Um, and then another one that we see sometimes in the medical field is coma right so this is a period of silence due to significant injury so much energy or noise has been put into a body that now it needs silence in order to heal Mm -hmm. and sometimes that's how i think of mortal sin you need a period of silence of coming to god and reconciliation of preparing yourself fully accept the weight of what you've done in order to truly be reconciled to God. And that requires time. Mm-hmm. And I like what you said there, because I mean, Pete talked about uh, the saints becoming more and more aware of, of things. And uh, St. Augustine, actually, I was thinking of his book on confession. His, uh, I think it's Confessions, My Confessions, or something along those lines. He talks about how much he became aware of his sin, and it took him a while to break. But then in that, he ended up writing what he wrote, which if you don't know St. Augustine's writings, definitely check them out. And, uh, cause they are quite phenomenal. So, so yeah. So there are periods of silence naturally built into our lives. Yeah, absolutely. And something I talk with a lot of my patients about is learning to listen to your body, learning to listen to yourself because we fill our lives with such noise to drown out our own thoughts. Mm-hmm. And some of that is due to this fear of truly being conscious of ourselves, conscious of our own thoughts, of actually thinking and seeing who we are, because there's a lot of things that people don't like about themselves. There's a lot of things that we would wish would be different. And we don't always know that. We don't always take the time to appreciate that. And if we don't appreciate that there are things that we'd want to change, It's hard to appreciate that we need someone to help us change. Mm -hmm. Well, coming up on the end, so what I'm going to do, and it can be on this or going to be on something previously, is go around and uh, give each of you kind of one last closing thought on anything you'd like to say on this. Um, And then, uh, well, I'll have one or two more closing things and we'll be done. But I'm just going to go in order of the screen. So, Pete, you want to, any closing thoughts on this? Yeah. you know, I think one thing we didn't really touch on that is a powerful component of this. One of the reasons we, we enter into solitude and silence is because, uh, or, or maybe one of the, the effects of this, the fruits of it is of hearing God's voice. 
the still small voice of the spirit mm-hmm. is, um, is something that, that the great saints again, bear witness to the effect of being able to live in total harmony with God's plan for their life. And in order to live in total harmony, you need to know what God is saying so that you can act on it. You know, one of our favorite definitions of, of a disciple is what, answering two questions. What's God saying to me and what am I doing about it? Mm-hmm. Kind of to boil it all down. And so in order to know what God is saying to you, you have to go with expectation that he will speak into solitude and silence, whether that's Elijah in the cave, whether that's Jesus in the desert, desert, whether, you know, just, you can go down the line, the great desert fathers. It's always this idea that one of the benefits of being in that union with the Lord in that contemplation is he will, you will learn to understand his voice and trust his voice. And so um, a lot of people wonder whether or not God's speaking to them. And a lot of people are not experiencing his voice because they're never actually quieting themselves down to, to hear him. So if you're wondering why you haven't heard God's voice in a while, it could be because you haven't spent enough time in silence. I have one follow-up question because you, you do this during the course and if you don't want to do on this, that's totally fine. But what's one tip you give people for being able to like knowing what the voice is? Cause it's something I also came across in counter ministries as well. They have the same kind of practice that you did as well. Well, the key, a lot of, uh, one of the major things to remember with the voice of God is that it's often not with words. Mm-hmm. That God it, speaks through our senses. He speaks through other people. He speaks through his revealed word in scripture. So um, if we are waiting to hear something audible or even like English thoughts, you know, mm-hmm. in our English language, then we're, it's not to say he can't communicate that way, but very often the, the, the language of God is a movement of the heart. So it's a, it's a heart being transformed by his, which is not scientific, which is hard to nail down. I had a mm-hmm. teacher in high school who just said, you know, it's God because you just know it with your knower. You know, it's like, <laughs> what is that? I don't know. It's just like that, that heart region where God and you reside together. And so um, one of our fundamental tips for hearing the voice of God is just to break any expectation for how he is supposed to speak and expect to hear him in, in and through hypothetically everything. That if you go throughout your life expecting God to speak through a podcast, through the grocer, through the person who annoys you at work, through everybody, uh, and through every kind of inst- and then of course what we have to remember what Paul Saint Paul says is like, do not despise prophecy, test everything, hold fast to what is good. If it's good and life giving and brings us closer to God and good and true and beautiful and consistent with the Scripture and the teaching of the Church, hold on to it. And if it isn't, spit it out, ignore it. Mm-hmm. And then just move with confidence that the Lord will in the spirit be able to uh, help you distinguish that. So there's all literally tomes that have been written about this, but that's, those are some just initial thoughts. People want to know more about that. They can join the, uh, yeah, exactly. You have a a course coming up, right? I'm going to, I blank on names when I need to think of them. So I apologize in advance, but, uh, the, yeah, yeah, we're the Spirit Filled Leader Intensive course. We're going to start yeah. another one in June, and then we're doing a little challenge called the Pearl of Great Price Challenge. It's going to just be all about Jesus for two days. Like, how do we make him the the, the tagline is Can you live without him? And if you can't, come join us for two days so we can learn how to not live without him. Awesome. And last two things: you have two projects you're running right now. I know you have a podcast yourself, and there's a uh, uh, the Shalom Network that you're on as well. If you want to plug those real quick. Sweet. Thanks. Yeah. So we have our own podcast. It's called The Hour. Um, We talk about the signs of the times and what's God saying to us, what we're supposed to do about it in the world. The the hour of the lady is struck, John Paul II said. So uh, now is the hour of repentance. There's all sorts of references to right now doing something about what God is doing. And so our podcast is dedicated to unpacking what we see happening. 
And then, yeah, I have a TV show, believe it or not, with uh, Shalom Media. It's called G2G, Glory to God. And we just interview people who are uh, very successful in the, the different paths that the Lord has put them on, but who are trying to do it all uh, to give glory to God. Thanks. So, Relax and Lista, uh, any closing thoughts on what you want to wrap up? Any projects or anything you want to plug, even if it's somebody else's, that's totally fine. We're all about uh, sharing. So, if you know, like good media or you've got a project yourself, feel free to plug it. <clears throat> yeah, um, if I have any closing thoughts, um, first I would like to comment on the question that you asked, Peter, about how do you know the voice of God? Like, tied to what I want to say is silence is not just a practice of we alone, it's a practice of intimacy mm. and it builds to a relationship. So I think that's the one thing, the first thing that I would like to emphasize about silence is that sometimes we think about silence as all the things that we don't get to do during the period of silence, but we forget that we stop all those things so that mm -hmm. we can experience an intimate relationship with our Lord. So I think for anybody who fears silence, I would just like encourage you to go through the process of darkness because at some point when your like appetites are ordered and your spiritual appetites come back to life, you will start to experience the goodness of who God is, which is more powerful. So that is just like the intimacy that you get from prayer is much more than the sacrifice that put in the beginning. And to expect that when you're starting out, it will be hard. Like any new relationship, if you don't know someone so well, you will need to put in work. And then to the question that you asked Peter about communication, like how do you know how God speaks? Going back to intimacy, people, their most like powerful communications between people who know each other very well is not usually what it's presence, it's St. Faustina said something very powerful that for her, for Jesus, to know what Jesus wants, he doesn't have to say anything. She only, he only needs to give her a gaze mm. and she'll know what he wants. So I will say that hearing God's voice comes with intimacy. It's a relationship, it's a mystery. Like for example, how people like St. Padre Pio used to read souls. It's just that you become so one with God that you know what he wants. So I would say that for me, it's the greatest answer to that question is it's a mystery. It's like, and it's based on intimacy. So for me, those are like the final comments. And the third thing that I would like to say is um, silence changes, like, I don't know, maybe just to encourage people to go into silence, like it will change your life, literally. And this is um, related to, there's a scripture in Hosea chapter 2, verse 14, where God says that I, now I will draw her out into the desert and I will speak tenderly to her and she will respond to me as in the days of her youth. And then later on, he goes on to say that she will call me again my husband and not my Baal. Our soul is thirsty and we may not know it, but our soul is thirsty. And just like we, food, we eat food every day, we may not know it, but we need Jesus. Like we need that intimacy with Christ. And I would just like to encourage everyone that silence is, I think it's Pete who mentioned that it's, it's an invitation, like God is inviting us. It's just maybe we don't listen. So for me, that is just the encouragement that I would give is it will change your life. And I would describe like the, the, the longer periods of silence, like I would, I would break down silence into like three or four categories, like mm -hmm. not go for too long. So the first one I would call it like a death. Okay. 
the first one I would call it like a desert, like silence of the desert. This is usually like a period of time, like a retreat or maybe one month or sometimes six months for some people. And this is usually where like major things in your life happen. So whether you experience a great conversion or it is a beginning of a new like ministry or redirection. So for example, Moses or Jesus, or maybe it is a period of rejuvenation. Like when Elijah was fasting for 40 days, he was tired in ministry. So that is like, I think many young people don't really go into that. And I would really encourage people to try and go into long periods of silence. Just because as Pete was describing his 10 minutes of prayer, the first six are <laughs> not very quiet. But if it's a longer period, your soul becomes quiet and you have actually more time to listen to God. And then I would describe this, like the second type of silence, I would say is the silence of like the night which is like not a long period, but like what Jesus did before choosing the disciples. So like maybe before a big decision. The third type I would say is the silence of dawn. This is like a daily silence, like in the beginning of the day and the end of the day where you just order your thoughts with God. Then the first one I would say is now the silence of life that is a gift of the Holy Spirit where even when you're working or you're doing things and moving, you are in union with God. But you can only reach the fourth level of silence if you go through the first three. The problem is that we don't usually go through the first three. So that's why we're asking, how does God speak? How do I hear God speak? You have to put in the work like then go a mile then the lord will take you the 99 but i will say it will change your life like that is just i can't encourage people enough to go through periods of silence it will yeah it will transform your life that is what i can say as my final thoughts it's a place of intimacy don't look at it as what you're missing out look at it as what you can gain which mm -hmm. is beyond yeah all right AJ, your turn any closing thoughts as we absolutely run? Uh, one thing we're taught a lot in medical school is that we, we always hear this line, all the young doctors here, you know, in patient encounters, doctors only spend about 16 seconds listening before they interrupt the patient and go off on their own tangential thought. And so I always thought about that. And, you know, a lot of times that can be because we've seen this patient before, we already know what's going on, but really can always take a moment to listen to what someone else is saying. And when you ask a question, you need to take a moment of silence in order to hear the true response. Because mm -hmm. a lot of times when we ask a question in general conversation nowadays, or a doctor asking a patient, et cetera, or on the phone, uh, you know, telemarketer, mm -hmm. we're, we're not waiting to listen. We're waiting to respond. And I see that in a lot of times when we ask God questions or people say, well, I prayed and nothing, you know, happened. It's like, did we wait for that response in silence? Did we ask the question and then really wait to hear what someone else or what God was saying? So I think it's important that when we come to God in prayer, we pour ourselves out to him, but then, especially if we're doing this for a moment of silence, we listen present, we intentionally let God speak to us or give him the opportunity to, because I think that opportunity is usually cut short when people are saying, well, I don't hear God. Mm -hmm. Are we listening? And a lot of times I think if we truly ask ourselves that question and we let our own hearts answer, our hearts would say, no, we're not. We truly um, embody humility, which is 
essentially just being honest with yourself, we would know that we're not giving God that opportunity to speak. We're not giving ourselves the opportunity to hear what we need even for grounding all of these unsavory elements that we would think is being a little more egotistical out. I'll wrap up with mine. Uh, for me, I always think back to two things, uh, one practical and one scriptural, which is uh, if you watch Jesus going with the disciples the whole time, they have tons of conversations with Jesus. And some of them are very good. They're asking like good theological questions, like who will get into heaven? And Jesus can say, okay, be like a child. Yeah. Other times they're your typical friends. Uh, <laughs> I would say a typical us where it's like, okay, well, can I seat at your left seat? Can I seat at your right seat? Can I have a position of power? Like, who do you like more? Who's your favorite? Who's the greatest? Exactly. And uh, they screw it up and they get it wrong. And so I think one thing that teaches us is when you're in that moment of silence, you're talking to God, don't worry about getting it right. Yeah. Right away. Like you'll grow in understanding of, okay, when is it God and when is it not God? And, and the fruits are a big part of that, but just focus on doing it and he'll walk you through it because at no point do you see him ever leave the apostles and be like, okay, you guys are idiots. I'm done. He corrects them and he guides them, but he always stays with them and he's always talking with them back. So closest he gets it's asking them if they're going to leave him exactly so when you go into prayer and silence don't worry about getting it right um you know pete i love your example of you know start with your 10 minutes first six is gonna be messy same for me that's why i say the couch to 5k method but then get to a point where you know the the four stages you were talking about felista and and the desert and the dawn and those things as well will come with time you have to put in the work as you said the last one i want to put in is practical um because you do get distracted and it's easy to get you know, offbeat and how do you reset yourself? And one thing I found really well, and of course I drew this from sports, but the New Zealand All Blacks have a high mentality of ability to focus. It's insane. One of the things they learned was a psychological and physical approach to staying focused is there's a couple of other things they do, but it won't apply here. One is they start looking around at their environment. So they focus back on the field. And for us, like, especially if you're in prayer, focus back on, like you were saying earlier, Pete, the cross. If you're in adoration, focus back on the Eucharist. If you have the Bible, focus back in the scripture. Next one they do, uh, for those watching on the video, is they'll just start tapping their finger. They have a sensory thing. And they'll mm-hmm. tap because it, it keeps them focused from zoning off. And so a lot of times they've found in adoration, where the other one they do is they scrunch their foot in their, their cleat. And so you can sit there and kind of scrunch your feet in your, your shoes, or you can tap your finger. And that helps them refocused. And so for me, I would just leave that for anyone that that might help is you start wandering off, um, especially as the extrovert, my mind goes a million ways. Just start doing a little tap on your finger and refocus on what brought you there in the first place. Take that breath we talked about and then just put your face, or put, you know, focus back on the face of God. We also have a wonderful tool in the rosary to help yes. those who are more kinetically inclined. Exactly. But with that, uh, we'll go ahead and wrap up just after this last comment from Aja. Yep. Just wanted to mention two sources that people can look to for mm-hmm. examples of being more silent yes. in themselves. One of them I found recently as Father Mike was going through the Old Testament. David has a great example before many of the actions that he does in the Old Testament of coming to God first and asking advice even if he knows what he wants to do he wants to ask god for advice first and that's how we can kind of start this process Mm -hmm. come to god and ask before any big decision even small decisions work decisions take a moment to ask god god help guide me in the situation god what should i do in this situation i think he's a good example to come to for that the second is a little bit more highbrow. I'm still trying to understand what she's saying myself, but St. Teresa of Avila wrote this great book called The Interior Castle, all mm-hmm. kind of about her struggles with 
prayer and getting into that silence. And so that uh, goes really, like successes. <laughs> yes. Well, you know, she was very humble, so she, so she would say struggles. <laughs> but uh, written more from a monastic point of view. But I think it's a, a good read for anyone who's really struggling with prayer or or is looking for an example of how to get through those struggles. Great. And Pete, you want to mention that one book you brought up a couple times that I even texted you about because I'm still blanking on the title again. Yeah, it's called The Way of the Heart by Henry Nowen. It's very short, very accessible, and it's all about the desert uh, fathers and mothers and his reflections on what we see in them. And he wrote it specifically for people who work in ministry, but it applies to everybody. Um, it's Nowen saying, like, why did these desert fathers and mothers emerge when they did? And what do they reveal to us about how we're supposed to enter into the modern world? Yeah. All right. Well, with that, and you said there was a book on silence by Cardinal Sarah, was it? Yes. The power of silence by yeah, Cardinal Sarah. So, but with that, we're going to end. So uh, thank you to our guests for being on. Uh, thank you, AJ, for leading the episode. And Absolutely. thanks Jesus for helping us out. So uh, with that, peace.